You're listening to the Beyond Conception podcast with your hosts, Shalmika and Desmond Sweet. This faith-based, relationship-focused podcast aims to uplift you and your spouse as we share our infertility journey, tips, advice, and resources to strengthen your relationship along your journey of infertility with faith, hope, love, and laughter. Infertility goes beyond the conception of a child, but how do couples handle this situation? Together. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share. You can also follow us on IG, Instagram at BE underscore conception to stay connected between episodes. Now let's listen to this week's episode as we discuss everything that is beyond your conception. Well, Desmond, we are back with episode three of season three of the Beyond Conception podcast. And, you know, this journey, this TTC journey, trying to conceive journey is filled with critical conversations, you know, conversations we were never prepared for or even heard of until it happens to you. And now you and I are faced with another critical conversation as we look at expanding our family. So as you all know that we have been wanting to have another child and we were following up with our surgeon in January in whom I met with about now two weeks ago and we were faced explain, with explain explain what oh. that means because some folks will think that um, right. when you say surgeon you're, you're thinking of a fertility doctor yes well she's not a fertility doctor she's a gynecological surgeon or And she is the surgeon who performed my uh, second surgery on my septate uterus. So I had um, a septum. And with that, it's like tissue and my uterus is filling my cavity that inhibits um, space for uh, an embryo to grow into a baby. And prior to having Hattie, I had to have um, a portion of that tissue removed just to create um, a cavity of a larger opening Um, for her growth and development. However, when I went back to her, unfortunately, she gave me some news that I was bracing myself for. And I think we're always in this, you know, bracing for the storm, preparing for the storm kind of situation. And even Kashana talked about this on last week's episode of bracing, you know, when she was preparing for miscarriages every time she hit that eight week mark. Um, but I was bracing myself to hear what she was having to say. And what she said was, uh, the septum is back and it's back with a vengeance and she can remove it, but she is concerned that, um, if I do become pregnant of uterine rupture. And Mm. so now that has brought us to this point of where do we go from here? Yeah. Are we going to go through with the surgery? Will I have the space to have additional um, children? And she also said that she believed that Hattie's premature birth was due to lack of uterine space. And that was causing her to kind of be stuck in my uterus because of she wasn't able to grow any further in the cord getting wrapped around. And this was her hypothesis. And remember, I told you, I felt that. And that was some of my guilt associated with her premature birth that I couldn't provide her the space she needed to grow. And um, so I just don't understand that after we had gone through the whole situation and gone through the whole process and mm-hmm. paid this doctor thousands of dollars to make this space. I just don't understand how it, it wasn't like big enough. Like do, do, yeah. because when we conceived, we conceived Hattie literally months after you had that surgery. It was probably like the fourth yeah. month you had the surgery in what, August? Yeah. And she, yeah, we were pregnant within a few months. Um, of Hattie. So did it already and start growing back or what is the explanation? There wasn't any explanation for that. Um, yeah. And I had a C-section, so I wonder if they saw anything inside, but those are questions, you know, we didn't have answers for, and I don't know if we can obtain them. I can ask her on my follow-up appointment, but now it's brought us back to this space of, so where do we go? What are we going to do? How um, much does it cost? Yeah, all those, right, all the financial factors and looking at that. Um, 
but we know we want another child. But at this point, it's how are we going to get this other child? Is it going to come from us? Um, are we going to adopt? And we've even had conversations about um, surrogacy and getting a surrogate. Um, but, and we're going to, I know you're looking at me like, what? <laughs> and, that's, <laughs> and that's what we're talking about today because, you know, these are real life questions and couples going through this process at some point in their journey, consider one of those three options. Are we going to stop? Are we going to adopt? Or are we going to build our family and look at a surrogate option? Mm-hmm. So that's where we're at in our journey. And then she wants to go back and look at um, my ovaries and my egg count and look at doing an ovarian reserve test. Yeah, yeah. And this doesn't look really at the quality of the eggs. So that's something that you do more down the line with an embryo once it's fertilized and looking at egg quality. But this is looking at my egg count, particularly because I've been having reoccurring miscarriages since Hattie. And um, unfortunately, I'm old in the terms of fertility. Geriatric pregnancies. (laughs) Geriatric pregnancies. Wow. Isn't that just great? And the reality is that geriatric pregnancies can be viable and you can have a healthy, no complication. You can, one, get pregnant over 35 and sustain a pregnancy and have a healthy pregnancy. But in my case, since I've been having reoccurring miscarriages and prior fertility issues, and now it's looking at the egg count and then going from there. So that's where we're at. But I think that's a faith moment, though, for some people, because yeah. even Hattie was considered a geriatric pregnancy. And No, stop. I'm going to stop you, babe. No, you were one in. year away, though. You were one year away. Give me my year. Okay. But I had her, but I was actually two years away because I got pregnant with her when I was 33. And I had her. Still, I was 33, and I turned 34 that August. Uh, yeah, but so, if you went full term, you, 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 you. I would not have still been a geriatric pregnancy. I was 34. I would have been 34, babe. Okay. Can I have my year, please? And there's yeah. nothing wrong with a geriatric pregnancy. And, but I'm just saying she wasn't. That's all I'm saying. Divide. That's all I'm saying is that God answered us when we were what do you call that pre-geriatric and gave us exactly what we needed. So if you are pre-geriatric or surfing toward geriatricy, God can answer your prayer and do exactly what you are asking him to do. Um, Absolutely. Back to these conversations. Yeah. These conversations and, and to speak to your point, even if we decided to pursue with this surgery And even conceive and try to, you know, for me to bear our child. That's an act of faith. And God can work a miracle. And this pregnancy could be totally different than Hattie's. I don't have any complications. I go full term and my uterus doesn't rupture. And that freaked me out when she said it because she's actually been the first doctor to really mention that. But you have told me about your skepticism around that because I've heard you mention a fear of that prior. Yes. And that has been from my own research of just my um, uterine history, right? And looking at what a septate uterus is and the um, pros and cons of the surgery and getting pregnant and stuff of that nature. So that has been in the back of my mind and thinking of that. So with that said, it's now this pairing of faith over fear, but yet am I supposed to move in this space of trying to have a child from my womb, from my body, or are we going to um, stop with the conception process through me and look at other avenues of trying to have a child? So I brought it up to you and we've always bounced back and forth, particularly with adoption. And um, we'll get to that in talking about that um, probably in another episode. But for the purpose of this episode, it's really looking at the whole surrogate option. And for myself, I am totally fine with that, particularly um, because one, it could still be our biological child, not coming from my body, but my, um, I almost said my sperm. No, my egg, your sperm. 
and it can still have our genetic um, representation. It would be your egg, my mm-hmm. sperm, mm-hmm. but the person carrying it wouldn't have your perm. No, they would not have my perm. What are you trying to be funny? But no, this is a serious issue. And I know we use humor to kind of lighten up the topics, but in all seriousness, right? you know, this is a conversation as to are we going to go this route or not? And I'm for it. What about you, Desmond? Let the audience I'm know your views. I'm not for it. I am absolutely not for it. for it. Because who wants to answer all them questions? Like, who wants to answer all the questions or say, where did this baby come from? Just okay. all of a sudden, here's a baby. That's... Also, also, I know your level of wanting to connect. Like, you and Hattie were connecting so much through a little mm-hmm. of it was cautious because of the miscarriage that we had had prior to Hattie. There was some cautious connection there but I still remember you touching your womb and touching your stomach and you know me reading stories to your stomach and and all of that kind of stuff now we we gonna just invite this 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 surrogate mother over to the house and lift up her shirt I'm gonna read the bible to the surrogate mother like how we gonna do this no but I think there's a way that you can build relationship with the surrogate mother and yet find ways to connect during pregnancy. Now that's See, not only that... is this person going to be carrying our baby, right? this is a person that we don't know. Well, it could be somebody we do know. We could decide to... Yeah, no, that, that sure ain't happening. That okay. sure, you, you can't handle that. That sure okay, ain't but... happening. Well, I, I see you there. It would, you're right. It would have to be a stranger. However, there is a vet. Because all I got to do is tell you that woman is carrying my baby. Right. And it, I could see it being possessive. And even with a stranger, there would be some levels of, uh, you know, protection and just guarding that womb and trying to make sure. Now, I will say in all transparency that my reservation to getting a surrogate is my trust issues and and when i say trust issues not like i have like a trust issues with people in general i don't but what i'm saying is in that situation in trusting her to care for the child in the way that i would and let me say that i know i'm selfish in my opinions like i know that I am viewing this one-sided from a person that already has a child. I know my mental space would be entirely different if we didn't have Hattie. That is not new information to me because I have something to compare it to. I would, I wouldn't, Mm -hmm. I would not talk about parenting from a perspective of just comparing it to a place to live. But when I hear somebody asking me, how do you like Mm -hmm. Arizona? It's all I know. So mm-hmm. had I lived somewhere else, I would have something to compare it to. In this particular right. instance, I have something to compare it to. So that's the reason right. why I have reservation. In my opinion, the way it feels is mm-hmm. with Hattie, it was like making cookies. You know, listening audience, you know me and my analogies. I was there mm-hmm. for the <laughs> buying of the flour. I was there for the creaming of the butter and the sugar. I was there to see the chocolate chips go in. And I was also there to turn on the oven light and watch them as they grew. In a place of surrogacy, I feel like that I think up and go through the entry-level phases of this child. But yet I take all the ingredients to somebody's house and leave and tell them to call me when the timer goes off. Like, that's how I feel. That's personal. That's how I feel. Now, if I wasn't like a Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade situation, that would be totally different for me. But in this particular case, I have been given the gift to taste the dough after I got done mixing it, to smell the smell of the cookies in the oven, and to catch them hot right off the pan and love on them at that point. With this other situation, I feel like that I would be robbed from some of that experience. That's number one. Number Mm -hmm. two, it is the answering of the questions. 
Again, I should not care this much about what people think, but it's two sets of questions that I would have to answer. I would have to answer the question from my child of saying, mm -hmm. hey, what's going on here? How does this happen? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. especially at this age, I wouldn't even want to drive down that street because then I got to go full fledged on birds and the bees. If she was 10 or 12, this conversation may be different. I think mm -hmm. for this space and time in my life, it's not the right decision for us. The next set of questions that I would have to ask is the questions mm -hmm. from the church people, because I mm -hmm. feel like there is such a stigma from black church people around mm -hmm. everything trying to conceive and TTC uh, outside of just of general, way. plain old, mm -hmm. laid down with deacon such and such, and now we've got oh. 10 children. My God. Well, I hear everything that you're saying, and that's, you know, I'm sure other people listening, they too have had these critical conversations and exploring all of those, you know, um, ideas that you had just expressed. But to go back to what you were saying about the cookie analogy, Say you really, really wanted cookies and you had some or all of the ingredients and you go to mix it up and your oven is broke. What do you do? Do you go to a neighbor's house? Do you go to your mom's house and say, hey, can I use your oven to bake Somebody these Somebody was at a mama's house. And so what? What? That one lady was a surrogate for her daughter. She would tell mama's house. I know. And that's, and that's, oh my gosh, that was to me beautiful. I thought that was like, wow, you know, and I told I, you, did I not tell you? Look, that and that's I could the rare that I thing. I would? But if, hey, if we could use your mama or my mama, we probably would too. If they were willing, they we not, probably mm -hmm. would too. But I mean, well, not, and they ain't capable. But that's besides the point. The reality is that is extremely rare. And I feel like no. something intimate like that could be shared with them. Oh, yeah. 80 mamas out of 100 cannot do what that mother did. That woman right. was extremely healthy. It was the yeah. right circumstance and all of these things. Right. But I think that that even spoke to that mother's love for her daughter um, to see that the blessing in having a child and wanting her daughter to experience that. It even goes back to remember when I was nursing in Selma Hayek, or this was prior to, or prior to, or while I was nursing, and she picked up that orphan that was malnutrition and starving and started breastfeeding that orphan. I told you I would have did the same thing. If yeah. I had the milk to give that starving baby and my child wasn't around to latch on, Oh, heck yeah. yeah. I'm latching that baby on and they can have as much as they want, you know? So yeah. sometimes along this journey, we have to think outside of the box, outside of the non-traditional. And you know me, I don't care what the other people say because they are going home to their children. And, you know, and this could be an opportunity for God to work in that way. Yeah. And sometimes we look at the conventional way, but sometimes there may be an unconventional way to your blessing. And any way God can bless you in that capacity to have a child, one, if you and your spouse are on the same page, because we're advocates for, you know, being on the same wavelength when it comes to your relationship and communicating. And we're just having a transparent moment where we are talking about where we're at in our journey and having this critical conversation. And for some people, like you mentioned, this may be their only option to parenthood. Absolutely. And especially if you're wanting to have a biological child. Now, there are two types of surrogates. And so one of them uh, is a um, traditional surrogate. And this is basically where a woman gets artificially inseminated with the father's sperm. And it's her egg. So the surrogate would be the biological mother. But the egg would be fertilized with the father's sperm. Now, and you, and hey, how you do it, whether if it's in a medical office or if he lie down with the mother, that's up to you. But, but or they then it wouldn't be a surrogate because that would just be a regular impregnation. Well, it would be impregnation, but the point is, is that she's not going to be keeping the child and it's in oh, terms of being a traditional surrogate, gotcha, right? Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So it's the conceiving of a yeah. child for someone else, but it, yes. oh, but it is the father is keeping it. 
the father is a biological father. And then, so for us, that would not be an option because I'm not here for it. But for some people it is, especially say if the wife has a low um, egg count or egg quality, or she doesn't have the ability to produce eggs, that may be an option. So Abraham and Hagar is the first type of surrogate. Okay, come on now. Yeah, well, I'm just clarifying. You can put it in that term. Yeah, you can okay. put it in that term. I could see that. Yeah, and then don't you Bible scholars try to come for us either? Because if you, you think come about for it, me, bro, I'm just close is. the door and act like you ain't out there. I'm gonna tell you like someone told someone else. <laughs> oh, you can start, but I'm gonna be a stop sign. How about that? <laughs> okay. So gestational surrogates. Now this is what we call. A technical in vitro fertilization, IVF, now makes it possible to gather eggs from the mother and fertilize them with the father's sperm and then take that fertilized egg from the biological parents and implant or inseminate that into the um, surrogate. And she's called the birth mother because she oh, it's only birthing that the biological mother is though seen as the biological mom because it has the same DNA as the fertilized egg. So that would be if you and I, because I'm just trying to make mm-hmm. this simple, because because you understand a lot of these technical terms, because you you've got kind of a scientific mm-hmm. mind. You and I take mm-hmm. your egg, my sperm, and mm-hmm. it is deposited into woman Z, and right. then she woman Z gives birth to our biological child, has our DNA, exactly. just like Hattie would. Right, right. And that would be the route that I would forgo. That Which is the route that, that go. Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade went. Right. And Candy from the Atlanta Housewives, all that. Yeah. And, 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 and who, was the one was, who was the one that was married to the guy from Cheers? What housewife was that? Oh, you're talking about Housewives of Beverly Hills. Yeah, she had two. She had two children through surrogate. Yeah, I can't remember her name. But yeah, a lot of famous people. This has been happening for years. But again, when you have a little notoriety behind your name, um, it does highlight things. And it highlights it in a way that I think that helps to um, bring understanding, like you were saying, to those conversations that people are asking these questions, right? Because it's non-traditional. Yeah. Now, if we could move away different. and be gone for like a year and then just come back with this child, I probably would do no. that. It's just people no. are too nosy. People are too nosy. I don't care about the people. But you know what? I would just let them know what it is. It's just like if you put it in this sense, if you adopted a child, would you move away from a year or for a year no. and then come back? No. I mean, it's to, for me. It's but people feel like they like understand that. Different. I could see that. But at the end of the day, this is our child, regardless if we had to use um, donor sperm or donor egg, or if it's from us, that would still be our child. But for us, we're looking more of that gestational um, surrogate that would then have our DNA of the child, of the embryo that would grow into a child or a baby. And um, that's the route that we would go. Now, the only hiccup is, is really looking at, because ladies and gentlemen, you have to look at your state laws. And unfortunately, um, before we go there, yeah. Can I stop? Can I please stop you? What sure. if somebody told the child before you had the chance to? Well, see, like I told you, just like if we adopted, that child would know from day one. And Hattie, we would have, and going to Hattie, we would have that conversation with her um, to understand that and to know that it's okay that sometimes these things happen because it's necessary in building your family. Because God forbid. If she one day had to go through this, would you have I a picture of a surrogate mom up in the house? No, I wouldn't because I will let them know it was just a temporary thing. We were using her body in a sense to have this child. She wouldn't be a part of the family. I wouldn't want that because I, would, I wouldn't want any blurred lines. So it'd be very Who clear. You are the surrogate. Thank you for your service. They showed up to the birthday party like a scary movie. Because they know the birthday. What if they showed up on her birthday like it was a scary movie? Okay. Well, we're going to get into that about the legalities and having contracts. They they know the birthday. Lawyers involved and all. They know the birthday. She can show up how she wants to. I'm going to listen. Don't try it. 
don't try it. <laughs> don't try. Let's just say, don't. Just please don't. No, ma'am. Please don't. <laughs> you know, we don't want to go there. But these are our serious questions, right? Yeah. That we must have because it is thinking about that, you know, um, going down the future. But that child would know. But at the end of the day, I'd want them to know we loved you. We wanted you so much. Right? It's that love. At the end of the day, it was that love base that we wanted you so much to. Oh, thank you. But I think all of us, right? Everyone listening, it's like we, people that are trying to conceive the unconventional way and you're having infertility issues or for whatever reason, you just cannot birth your natural child. We are put in spaces to where we really have to think critically, creatively, analytically, strategically, and really develop a plan that is in the best interest of our family to build. Um, Because fundamentally, like you told me, oh, you're just such a good mom. I've always had these motherly instincts and I've always been more inclined to what they say, like mother's wit and stuff like that. And I'm sure you as a male can attest, you know, that father intuition or whatever they call it. I don't know what they, what do they call it for men? I don't know, but I know mother's wit and all that kind of stuff, but we all have this desire and we, we see got ourselves. No we, we, y'all all think that we just responsive. Like we don't, we don't okay. have no right. <laughs> No we intuition. Earn, yeah, we earn a necktie every year. Oh, but that necktie is well earned. But that's the thing though. You see yourself as this and you're not it yet in the sense of it being tangible and holding or being around your child. So we are put in spaces to where we have to, again, um, look at other options. And that's part of why infertility isn't talked about because the stigma, the stereotypes associated with it, the prejudice, the discrimination um, that people have towards unconventional routes. And I think that platforms like this and we continuing to share experiences and make people aware of what is okay. And sometimes I think that we can um, over-spiritualize things and put God in stuff that he's not, you know, involved with and say, oh, you can't do that, especially from a Christian perspective. Oh, you can't do that. That's wrong. That's not God's way. But at the end of the day, I think you have to do that soul searching for yourself and doing what's in the best interest for you and your family. Because I'm going to tell you this. After you have that child, those same people are going to be wanting to hold that child. They're going to dote on your child. They're going to love on your child. And people could say whatever they want, you know. I mean, yes, Hattie came from us, but there could be some people out there that may not like Hattie just because she is our child, you know, and they have some ought against us. So it's going to be something. But at the end of the day, it's about us and our family. So when you're and and so I don't have an issue with surrogacy, as you can see. Um, But it's really about you and your spouse, since we are now faced with these critical conversations of looking at what is best for you and particularly for those that have been looking at that because for whatever reason they can't carry child some people are born without a uterus so what do they do some people can't produce an egg or they don't have the ability to fertilize an egg Um, there's a lot of variations of infertility that we are putting the we're projecting these fears and these you know these stigmas onto people and inhibiting them from having families. And to me, it's just not fair. It's not fair. We covered this in season one. What would you Hmm. call it though for, for these folks, these, these church people that say, well, that woman who, who can't produce an egg or born without this uterus, maybe it's just not the Lord's will for her to conceive. What would you, I I just want to hear your thoughts on that. I would tell them it's not for you to tell me what God's will is over my life. That's for me to search God and for him to confirm those things to me and my spouse. And if he's telling you to be childless, so be it. If not, then you continue to figure out, you know, that family building structure for you and your family. Um, But I would tell them that basically it's none of your business. And this is between me and God. It has nothing to do with you. And and in all all seriousness, you you know how Mm -hmm. I feel about this. Number one. If you feel it in your gut to go mm-hmm. through the route of surrogacy, do it. 
because I feel like just like you know when you have the right partner to conceive a child naturally, you know it in your gut, there's a level of confidence and comfort with this individual, you will have that same peace in God for that to be your route. I don't think you would have mm-hmm. any question on what it is. And and in all truthfulness, if that was the route that I felt connected to God taking me down and somebody told mm-hmm. me, I, I just think you're playing God and I don't think that you were supposed to do that, I would say, right. well, you're playing God every time you eat Popeye's chicken and take that diabetic pill because the same science right. that developed mm-hmm. that pill for your diabetes and your high blood pressure, that is the mm-hmm. science that is developing these new ways that we're able to conceive. And we just got to get out of a lot of this legalism, like a whole lot of this right. thing, a whole lot of this biblical interpretation that we have made up that there isn't a scripture to align with. Like we just got to get out of a lot right. of this uh, uh, legalism perspective. Yes, I have a personal hang up on hearing people do a whole what you're talking and all of that. I do. I understand that. I own that. But if mm-hmm. you are looking for a surrogate and you are looking for two people who will root you on, who will celebrate you and high five you mm-hmm. and will love and dote on that child, it's us. It, it right. is Desmond and Chalmika and the Beyond Conception team. We are absolutely yeah. here for it. So with yeah. that being said, we had this conversation a little bit earlier and you started huh. sharing some legality issues with me that were like mind-blowing yeah well first of all we live in a very conservative state but i think the tide is shifting because we turned it blue during this election right um arizona's blue atlanta's blue and arizona's blue yeah so in arizona and this is from americansurrogacy.com And I definitely encourage you, like anything, any medical procedure that you're going to do along this journey, surrogacy adoption, to do your research. And I know you all have. I think we are one of the most astute people when it comes to things of our family building journey. Um, But according to this site, they're basically like, in Arizona, proceed with caution when you're doing (laughs) surrogacy. Because every state is different. And so in Arizona, let's see here, it says, is surrogacy legal in Arizona? Arizona statute forbids surrogate parent contracts. And basically surrogate parent contracts are um, what you use as a document that a lawyer can draw up to basically lay out the specifications of the surrogacy and what that entails. And that's whether if it's traditional or gestational surrogacy. Um, The statute provides that in a surrogacy situation, the surrogate is the legal mother of the child. And if she is married, her husband is the father. Therefore, the statute renders surrogacy contracts um, unenforceable. So basically, in Arizona, surrogacy contracts are unenforceable. And the surrogacy process itself is a legally risky path. However, if intended parents, which would be us, the intended parents, or a surrogate, from Arizona are matched with surrogacy partners in another state. They can often still pursue surrogacy despite the law in the state where they live. So if that was to happen, it looks like for us in the state of Arizona, we would have to, we could do it, but that mother could be deemed the legal parent. And if she's married, the legal um, father, her husband, and we would have to, um, go through possibly an adoption route to adopt our own child or stuff like I that. I would flip. Yeah. Yeah. I would and every state is different. Flip. Yeah. Every state is different. And, um, you know, we could look outside of Arizona because surrogacy contracts, and it's another question, is compensated surrogacy illegal in Arizona because there is a fee, um, and I'm going to get to that in a moment, but because surrogacy contracts are illegal, compensated surrogacy in Arizona cannot be enforced. Is traditional surrogacy legal in Arizona? Likewise, traditional surrogacy is illegal and ill-advised in Arizona because of the inability to create a surrogacy contract that would protect all parties involved from the complications of the traditional surrogacy process. And it says, um, what does a surrogacy agreement in Arizona cover and how does the legal process work? Surrogacy contracts are illegal in Arizona and therefore cannot be created or enforced in a court of law. However, a few attorneys create memorandums of understanding or statements of intent 
to attempt to invade the law's prohibitions on the surrogacy process. The legal process still comes with risk. Any disputes between the parties can lead to dire legal repercussions. So that's, and they have other questions on here. Um, but for now, that's what the law is. And I know there's a lot of advocates in Arizona trying to overturn this and to make it legal and to honor the surrogacy contracts. And um, therefore, you know, people who are trying to build their family in another way aren't forced to face now the legalities of trying to build their family. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this? I already said it. I would absolutely, I would flip if an issue came yeah. up to where after going through that surrogate process that someone would try to keep my child or if the state in which I reside in would speak against the validity of what has taken right. place. And I think that is because of that, that we see a whole lot of this stuff happening underground and it being secretive and it keeps a negative connotation in society mm -hmm. because, you know, we're kind of behind the ball on a lot of these different things. And this, this goes to a bigger, mm -hmm. this goes to a bigger subject matter. Um, and, mm -hmm. and I'm not going to go here too deep of, of people being told what to do with their bodies, especially for a grown woman. Um, that goes mm -hmm. to a bigger subject matter. Uh, but in my opinion, you know, if this is something that you are considering doing and you're a part of a loving, happy, healthy uh, uh, marriage, then this certainly should be an mm -hmm. option that is available to you. Um, and to me, you know, when we go into the space where church people are quote unquote conservative, to me, this has this mm -hmm. has really nothing to do with that. Like if you mm -hmm. are in a happy and healthy marriage and all you are looking to do is to allow for your seed to live on and for your fruit to be, you know, in in the world and to go on and do some yeah, prosperous things and mm -hmm. to develop your, your family tree. And there are options that are available. Again, I go back to this in the simplest form. Why die from diabetes when you can take a pill? It mm -hmm. is options out there. There are options available. And to me, we do our due diligence to seek out all of those options. I think of some of the great mm -hmm. giants that were great giants in our church that have gone on to be with the Lord, childless. Um, if the church may not have had such a negative connotation, if society mm -hmm. may not have such a negative connotation, what would their right. seed look like? What would those generations look like? What, mm -hmm. what, what would the earth potentially have as a gift because mm -hmm. someone was able to go forward with something like surrogacy. So that's just my opinion. That's just my my thoughts. And, and that's why you're listening is because you, you want to hear our opinions and our thoughts. So we're going to get a surrogate? No. <laughs> okay. Listen. So I don't have a piece about it. I know you haven't gotten there yet. So, and I say yet because I'm, Maybe you'll have a growth mindset for that, but you're not against it, but you're just speaking it just to be clear in regarding for you right now. You're not against other people doing it. Right. You're just not sure for yourself yet. And this is, again, a critical conversation that continues. And again, it, it, and again, I, again, I mentioned at this point in time for our time mm -hmm. in our life that right now, mm -hmm. I don't feel like it's the best option. Right now, we are considering other options outside of surrogacy mm -hmm. for the next mm -hmm. level of what our family dynamic will look like. Right, right. So on the Resolve, you know I love the resolve.org. You want to check it out. They have great resources there. They have information about surrogacy, myths and facts, and just information on surrogacy. So they have a few myths listed here. It says surrogacy myth. Surrogacy is only for the wealthy or celebrities and busting that one saying that it's not because the cost of surrogacy is almost um, indetermined uh, surrogate fees and expenses vary. And basically health insurances can cover the cost of medical care are a huge factor to consider. And some insurance carriers that exclude surrogacy. So look at your insurance coverage as well, in which case the parents must purchase a policy that is uh, specifically and for surrogacy and the cost about $30,000. However, you know, looking at other whole, ways. The, for the whole, uh, the whole process is about $30,000? 
It was saying in the case the parents must purchase a policy um, for surrogacy that costs thirty thousand dollars. The now, policy alone to, costs thirty thousand dollars. From what I'm reading, if I'm getting it wrong, you all go to the website and reach out to Resolve to get more information. I don't want to give you inaccurate information, so get clarity um, from their site um, in that. And it's just looking at it was another. If you, I was looking at this one article on WebMD talking about the fees associated um, with surrogacy and what it was saying. Let me go back to it. It was saying that um, it can cost an upwards depending upon the surrogate, um, the process. And that's what lawyers, because you have to realize you may have to pay lawyers fees to develop those contracts, insurance, out-of-pocket expenses. Surrogates, surrogates do... Um, you have to pay them. Um, you know, that's part of that compensation for them carrying your child. And it depends on those fees as well. So you have, there are financial um, obligations, but really looking, it's not just limited to wealthy people. Cause we mentioned earlier about the celebrities who have been known to have surrogates, but also um, it's just not for them. It's open to anyone who could afford it and it meets and finding ways for it to meet your need. And that's with anything along this journey, right? Everything costs something and is trying to figure out how am I going to financially cover this? Um, and then they have another myth on here. A woman will opt for surrogacy to save her figure or avoid pregnancy. And that's typically a myth because this is an emotional process as well. And so most women doing it, it's not for vain glory it's to, um, it's a sacrificial, it's, you know, you're sacrificing this, making this choice, like, oh my gosh, if I could do it, God knows I would, but you can't for whatever reason. And so busting that myth, because some people think, oh, you just don't want to lose your figure or you don't want to be pregnant again. And this, no, it's the opposite of that. I don't care about my figure and I would love to have the ability to carry my child, but I can't. Yeah. And then yeah. another myth, the surrogate may try to take on parental custody of the child. And so we kind of talked about that earlier because um, you were talking about showing up at birthday parties and stuff. And then also <laughs> how Arizona was talking about in our statue of, um, you know, the legalities of it and says most fertility clinics will request that both the intended parents, which would be us and the surrogate and the, her partner or spouse undergo a clinical uh, psychiatric or psychological evaluation prior to entering into surrogacy agreements. Wow. If this is not required, it is a good idea to consider it. Working with reproductive law attorneys will also be able to guide you on the state law surrounding surrogacy and confirm if the particular state will recognize the intended parents for the child's parentage. Although the surrogate will nurture your child throughout the pregnancy, surrogates and, gest and gestational carriers are aware from the onset that she will not parent or have legal parentage rights of the child so being very clear on that that no they're not the parent they're just the carrier simple they're like ups you ordered a package and they're delivering it and um you know it, it's the fact of the matter that they're not the parent. So you have to get lawyers involved. There needs to be contracts. And I definitely like the idea of having a psychological evaluation because going back to what I said earlier about my trust, I want to entrust that she's doing right by my child, that yeah. she's not taking substances, that she's not, um, you know, having self-harm or harm to others yeah. and that she's doing what's right. And I believe that most, and let's just clear that up because I do believe any woman who goes into this space of being a surrogate, I believe they have the right intentions. I we just hope. have that hope. I do. And I have that hope that they do. And so yeah. that helps me to minimize some of my mistrust to create trust that they're doing this from a space that they are aware of it. And they also recommend that you have a surrogate who has had a child before or have been a surrogate before. So that way they know what's involved in this process as well. And the reason why I say we hope is because we have seen um, people in many different situations that um, may have the ability to make a dollar. And so that system is abused in one way or another from selling plasma, selling blood. So there's always some bad apples out there. So we are advising, yeah. you know, to definitely do your due diligence and making sure that you have 
uh, try to check every box you can check to ensure the safety and health mm -hmm. of your future child. And pray and ask God to give you discernment to help pick out the right surrogate that's for you. And when you get lawyers involved or even having those initial conversations with your fertility doctor, and they can help route you um, in that direction for a surrogate. There's a lot of agencies out there who specialize in vetting surrogates as well. So when you're going through that vetting process, make sure that you are praying and asking God to direct you and guide you to whom should be the carrier for your child. And then another myth is I will have trouble bonding with my baby. And that's busted because bonding with a child after birth is something that many intended parents worry over leading up to the pregnancy. The bonding process begins after the child is born, not while in the womb. Once the child is born, he, she is immediately handed over to the intended parents where that bond will begin to form. It is the one who nurtures and loves on the child that secures the forever bond. And that's true because when we look at the whole nature versus nurture conversation. What we do know is that children, and this is from adoption studies, that children who are in the right nurturing environment have higher IQs, emotional intelligence, yeah. go on to have, you know, successful lives versus if they were with their natural parents. So nurture is very important and nurture, even though, and I can attest to this, I have been pregnant before as a pregnant woman, I did feel connected to Hattie while she was in my womb. However, I can also attest that after she was born, I was connected with her, but it did not happen immediately. And that wasn't because of postpartum. It was because she was born prematurely and I was scared that I was going to lose her. So I had to, in a way, detach myself as a coping mechanism until she was safe, you know, and out of the danger zone. Then I felt that I could start to bond with her. And really the first month of her life, I was living in that fear of losing her and I couldn't bond the way that I had hoped to. And that bonding came later. But with that said, bonding is something that is a nurturing thing. So like I was speaking earlier about that mother's wit and being a mom, seeing yourself as a dad, that's when you have that skin to skin after the baby is born, you know, you take your paternity and your uh, maternity leave and you bond with that child as you're raising them. They will have attributes of you as their parents and that bond will be there. So it, what really matters is those formative years and that attachment theories and all those types of things. So and bonding can happen after birth. When we look at things like even adoption, speaking to bonding, I have mm -hmm. seen uh, bonds that happen so beautifully through adoption yeah. to where you would never know or through uh, a step parent to where you would never know that that wasn't yeah. that person's biological child. So we know Absolutely. that when God is in something that he can create a bond that cannot be broken. So um, mm -hmm. do not allow for maybe a, a, a feeling of a lack of a bond uh, cause for mm -hmm. you to, to think differently about something like this. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're right on that. You know, bonding is something that is a divine connection and it can happen for you because you like going back to what I was saying earlier, I didn't suffer from postpartum, but some women do even with their biological children, they don't connect with them immediately. And it's not any love loss and it's not a negative thing. It's just, we can't just keep it to the biological aspect for bonding and we have to look at it bigger picture. So, um, yeah, I thought that we would share today about this because this is a critical conversation. We're still continuing the conversation amongst us. Even in your conversation last night, you had mentioned um, knowing of a friend who was about to become a surrogate. And I think we're going to, we've been in conversations to bring her on and potentially that parent in whom she was going to be the surrogate for, which they call the intended parent, which would be us, the intended parent. Um, but these are, this is real life. These are things that happen that are beyond our conception. The believable moment in this is that, as you mentioned earlier, Desmond, that this isn't a route. This is an option that if you are feeling okay with it, and just because we're saying it isn't, and I know y'all know this, isn't something that you have to do, but knowing that this could be a viable option for you, looking at the financials, looking at the legal issues, looking at who you're going to select as a surrogate. 
um, disregarding what society and church people have to say about it. Because at the end of the day, this is between you and God and your spouse and how you decide to build your family. So there is hope. There is options in that regard. And as we're looking to build our family, this was a conversation that came up. And I, low-key, Desi, I thought you would be okay with it, especially if we could do the gestational um, route where really? your sperm might egg. Yeah, I was like, I don't think Testament would have a problem with this. Glad we but talked it was like, about I was saying, it. <laughs> right, communication Glad you is me to sleep and take a rib out. <laughs> oh, well, I ain't God. I can't do that. But no, but I mean, we, we're faced with these conversations. And like you said, we're looking at other routes as well. Because right now, it's really looking at my health and because we're concerned about my wellness and the future if we were looking at um, conceiving within my body then now it's putting another child another pregnancy at risk and it's like do we really want to do that we know we want to grow our family but how and so i think today we have to put a dot 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 put a pin in it because we're still continuing those conversations and I encourage you and your spouse to continue to have those conversations and Absolutely. know that you're going to disagree because you may have different viewpoints on it. But at the end of the day, even for us, it's coming to a mutual understanding with love and respect that we may not see eye to eye, but what's the middle ground? What can we decide on? How are we going to plan from here? And I think that that will help you get through these difficult conversations that you have to have with each other. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. And I agree with that second form of surrogacy. Don't, don't, don't be saying we signed off on that first form of surrogacy that Abraham and Hagar, that's, that's old news. We agree. Well, Well, hold on, babe, because some people may not have the sperm or the egg to do it and there are donor eggs and sperms you know out there that people can use and we agree with doing it with doctor intervention we don't agree with just taking it (laughs) upon your own mindset and it being a motel six intervention with doctor's (laughs) intervention yeah that's what see a doctor don't see maury okay okay see a doctor don't see jerry springer Yes. Is he even still around? No. Jerry Springer? I don't think he is. I don't know. But anyway, but those conversations, how do we have them? See a doctor, don't see Jenny Jones. Okay. She's gone. Jenny Jones has been gone. You might as well say, see a doctor, don't see Ricky Lake. Don't see Sally Jessai Raphael. Okay. Anyway. But listen, you got to have these conversations. Okay. You see, I'm giving you the choir hush. Okay. Do I need to sit you down like the choir director? I got it. I got it. I got it. I'm out. Okay. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) I love you. But no, these critical conversations happen. You have to, again, have them because it's going to help you to bring some type of closure or healing or next steps to your journey. Um, So with anything, like we always say, you know, love on each other, pray for each other and believe God for everything that is beyond your conception. See a doctor, don't see Ricky Lake. <laughs>